0: All right, so the Bible says in Romans chapter 7, in verse 1, can everybody hear me okay? Okay, great. Now, dear brothers and sisters, you who are familiar with the law. So he's talking to people who are familiar with the law. Don't you know that the law applies only while a person is living? All right, think about that. Why does the law only apply when a person's living? Just say it. What? Yeah, you can't. go ahead. Yeah, it's a world thing. What did you say? Right. I mean, if you're dead, it really no longer applies. It is what it is, right? So he said, you know that the law applies only while a person is living, for example, when a, woman, when a woman marries, the law binds her to her husband as long as he is alive. But if he dies, the laws of marriage no longer apply to her. So while her husband is alive, she would be committing adultery if she married another man. But if her husband dies, she's free from that law and does not commit adultery when she remarries. Okay, so he says in verse 4, "'My dear brothers and sisters,' This is the point. You died to the power of the law when you died with Christ. And now you are united with the one who was raised from the dead. All right, I need you to let that thought sink in because it is important. You died to the power of the law when you died with Christ. Look at Galatians 2.20 at the top of your page. I am crucified Paul says, with Christ. I am crucified with Christ. Nevertheless, I live. So there's not a physical death happening here. There's a death to our flesh. Yet not I, all right? It's not me that needs to be living this life anymore. I'm not propelling this life forward. But Christ liveth in me. And the life which I now live in the flesh I live by the faith of the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. Now I love the next verse, so I tacked it on. uh, 221, I do not frustrate the grace of God. For if righteousness come by the law, then Christ is dead in vain. And you might say, I know that I'm not saved by grace or I'm not saved by works. I know that, but how often is it when we understand the concept that we are saved by grace, that we try to live our lives in the flesh? All of a sudden, I can tell you I've been there and it happens all the time, right? And you have to correct it. That's why Paul didn't just say like, I'm crucified with Christ, I did it one time. He says in another part of scripture, I die daily. And really and truly, if we're being honest with ourselves, we're gonna need to die moment by moment. I mean, how many times can you be like, I'm feeling so good, I'm walking so close with the Lord, and in 30 seconds, one thing that one thing can happen that sends you in a tailspin of frustration, and your flesh rises up and either tries to solve a problem or fight what the spirit of God is trying to do. So I'm not going to frustrate the grace of God for if righteousness come by the law, then Christ died in vain. So whether you are living or dying, you're the Lord's and he is going to work his grace through your life, not just to save you, but to help you to walk with him day by day, moment by moment. Does this make sense? It's funny how we can hear it, but sometimes the living it out is a little tricky. I want you to look at something here. I put a definition on your paper, and the definition is legalism. Have you guys ever heard the word legalism before? Have you heard of that? All right, so basically, this is what it means. And I've heard, I've heard different people have different definitions for legalism. Like Some people are like, oh, legalism is when you tell me like I can't do that because I'm a Christian. That's not actually what that means. So I want to make sure that we define exactly what legalism is. By the way, if somebody loves you enough to come to you and tell you that something that you're doing doesn't reflect Jesus well, thank them for it. Be a grown-up Christian enough to thank them for it. What a blessing. Even if they don't do it in the right way, and let me tell you, I've had people do it in the wrong way to me before. Legalism. Legalism is an attempt to secure righteousness in God's sight by good works. All right, you are not going to secure righteousness in God's sight by good works. Does everybody understand that concept? We're saved by good. But here's the problem. As believers in Jesus, what do we often do? This next part. Legalists believe that they can earn merit, earn or merit God's approval by performing the requirements of the law. If I do what God says, he will love me more. If I don't do what God says, he will love me less. Is that true? It's a lie from the pit of hell. That's how the world operates. That is not how God operates. Can you earn God's love? Can you earn salvation? No. So the way that we got saved is the same way that we must live our lives. Now, are we more effective in our Christian life when we are obedient? Yes. Can we show more people love? When we are obedient, yes. But we get the cart before the horse when we're trying to think that we operate the way that the world teaches us to in God's kingdom or that somehow God operates like the world does. He does not. All right, we're gonna go through the rest of this more quickly, but that part I feel like is just So vitally important to this whole chapter. So he says, I'm gonna go back to the beginning of four. So my dear brothers and sisters, this is the point. You died to the power of the law when you died with Christ and now you are united with the one. You are united with the one who was raised from the dead. Who are you united with? Jesus Christ. You are joint heirs. It doesn't make sense. It's not fair. We do not deserve that. But that's what God says. And he says, as a result of this, we can produce a harvest of good deeds for God. Not because he loves us more, but because we want to produce a harvest of good deeds for God. Because I don't know about you, but I don't want to live this life that God has granted me for anything but his glory. And any time I'm tempted not to, I want him to help me remember that I do not want to do anything else but live this life for his glory. I do not want to squander the treasure of Christ in me, the hope of glory. So in verse 5, it says, When we were controlled by our old nature, Sinful desires were at work within us. Okay, yes, that's obvious, right? And the law aroused these evil desires. And you might be like, well, how does the law cause these evil desires to arise? Well, let's just think about this for a moment. You tell your kid, don't touch that. What do they want to do? Touch that. And we're the same way before Christ. Our will is... Mm. And it can be that way a little after Christ, but I bet if you are being honest with yourself, if you've received Christ, you know there's been a change. He starts to work, and it might be a little, uh, but we kind of do it with a little bit of like, oh, I know this is the wrong idea, you know. So anyway, we had this sinful, the law aroused the evil desires that produced a harvest of sinful deeds, and the sinful deeds are resulting in death. Verse 6, But now we have been released from the law. And it's like, wow, we've been released from the law. For we died to it and are no longer captive to its power. Now you might say, this is confusing. I thought we're still supposed to obey the stuff that God said. Let me tell you this. I used to worry incessantly if I was obeying the Ten Commandments. Before I got saved... Terrified. After I got saved, still very watchful. But because I was afraid of God, because my love hadn't really matured. Do you know how worried I am right now about obeying the Ten Commandments? I'm not. You might be like, what? You don't care? Of course I care. But I just want to do it. So I'm not like looking for a loophole. Because it used to be like, what can I get away with? Or how close to the edge of this can I get? And now it's like, how far away can I stay from that? Because, oh my, I do not want that. Do you understand what's happened? I'm free. Hallelujah, I'm free. I used to be in bondage to the law. And then I was still in fear. But now I'm living in freedom. And I'm not perfect by any means. But I am so much further along spiritually than I used to be. Hallelujah. All right. So now we have been released from the law for we died to it. We are no longer captive to its power. So now this is the great news. We can serve God. Not in the old way of obeying the letter of the law, fear, right? But in a new way of living in the spirit. Do you see where this is going? It's a beautiful thing. God's law reveals our sin here. So then it says, well, then am I suggesting the law of God is sinful? Well, of course not. In fact, it was the law that showed me my sin. I would never have known that it was wrong to covet. If the law had not said, you must not covet. But sin used this command to arouse all kinds of covetous desires within me, right? The things that I'm not supposed to do. I'm like, "Ah, I'm doing it. If there was no law, sin would not have that power. At one time, I lived without understanding the law. But when I learned the command not to covet, for instance, the power of sin came to life and I died. So I discovered that the law's commands, which were supposed to bring life, brought spiritual death instead. Verse 11, Sin took advantage of those commands and deceived me. It used the commands to kill me. But still, the law itself is holy. Its commands are holy and right and good. There is nothing that God says that I don't think is wonderful, but I'm not obeying it out of I have to or fear. It's love. Verse 13, but how can that be? Did the law, which is good, Cause my death? Of course not. Sin used what was good to bring about my condemnation. Don Maurice, can you check that door? Thank you. To bring condemnation to death. Let me go back. Sin used what was good to bring about my condemnation to death. So it's using the law to show me you're condemned. You're done. It uses God's good commandments for its own evil purposes. So the trouble is not with the law, for it is spiritual and good. The trouble's with me, for I am all too human, a slave to sin. I don't really understand myself, for I want to do what is right, but I don't do it. Instead, I do what I hate, But if I know that what I am doing is wrong, this shows that I agree that the law is good. So I'm not the one doing wrong, it is sin living in me that does it. And I know that nothing good lives in me, that is in my sinful nature. I want to do what is right, but I can't. I want to do what is good, but I don't. I want to do, uh, I don't want to do what is wrong, but I do it anyway. Have you ever been there? Guess what? That's a good sign that you're alive. You don't want to do it. You're in a war. The spirit against the flesh. Verse 20, but if I do what I don't want to do, I am not really the one doing it. It is sin living in me that does it. I have discovered this principle of life, that when I want to do what is right, I inevitably do what is wrong. I love God's law with all my heart, but there is another power within me that is at war with my mind. This power makes me a slave to the sin that is still within me. Now that sounds like there's no hope. (laughs) But tune in, we're not done. Verse 24. Oh, what a miserable person I am. Who will free me from this life that is dominated by sin and death? Verse 25. Thank God. The answer is in Jesus Christ, our Lord. So you see how it is. In my mind, I really want to obey God's law, but because of my sinful nature, I am a slave to sin. Now we're not done. Let's dive in because there were no chapter breaks in the Bible, these letters, okay? So let's go to chapter eight and verse one. So I really want to obey God's law, but because of my sinful nature, I'm a slave to sin. So now, There is no condemnation. And I like what the King James actually says here better, to be honest. Here it says, There is now, I'm sorry, there is therefore now no condemnation to them which are in Christ Jesus, who walk not after the flesh, but after the Spirit. If you're not walking in the Spirit, you're going to feel condemnation. Now there's not condemnation but it's going to be feeling it, right? You're not going to be feeling that peace of God. And in verse two, it gives great instruction for how this battle can lighten up. Because you belong to him, to Jesus Christ, right? The power of the life-giving spirit has freed you. So are you in bondage to your sin? No, the spirit has actually freed you. But the Bible teaches us that we have a choice. We can walk in the spirit and not fulfill the lust of the flesh, or we can lean into the flesh and not obey the spirit of God. And whatever part we feed the most is the one that's gonna be in charge. Now I used to, and I'm I'm not trying to like pick on anything But music's just been on my mind a lot. I actually wrote the last This Week at Crosspoint, and I wrote it about music. I don't always write Crosspoint's emails. Philip often does as well. But it's been on my mind a lot lately. Um, Have you ever noticed, and and I love music. I mean, some music that the world makes is really fun, right? And some of the lyrics are fine. They're not bad. But... Have you ever noticed that when you do not listen to God's music, it's just really hard to focus on Him? It's like it takes you someplace that you've been in your past, in your weak moments, and it just draws you in. But I'm telling you, turn that worship music on, and it's like the atmosphere changes. And one of the things I've noticed in my own life, I'll, I'll be honest, it's like a rare, rare occasion. Now, I'm not trying to sound super spiritual, but it is a very rare, rare occasion Like, I actually just don't do it myself. Like, I'm not going to turn on music the world makes, like, ever. I just don't. If somebody else is playing it, I'm not going to be like, turn that off right now, you know what I mean? It's like, that's fine. I mean, oh, my goodness. I was somewhere the other day, and they were playing music, and I was like, it's like a public business, and every other word was an F-bomb. And I was just like, rats, you know, how sad that this is, like, normal, right? Why... And then as Christians, like we don't want to be taking that in, like, yuck, right? Like, how can we think about God? I mean, I'll tell you the one thing I was doing, I was like, Lord, how these people to just like want to know you, God, this is so sad that the world thinks this is cool, you know? That kind of stuff. We don't need to judge them, but start praying. Like we can use it as a, a call to prayer. But um, anyway, I don't want to get off track because we really do need to finish. Music is powerful and it takes us to places that we may not want to go to. So we need to be careful what we're listening to. And you might say like, why does it matter? I'm glad you asked. Ephesians chapter five, look at verse 17. So God is telling us in Ephesians chapter five, not to be unwise. So if we're talking about, um, there's the life-giving spirit that's freed us, do you not wanna live in the life-giving spirit that has freed you? And music's one example. If I didn't hit on your sin, then... Cool, And and listening to all non-Christian music, I'm not gonna sit here and tell you that's a sin. That's between you and God. I'm just telling you in my own life, I can't walk with God and listen to that all the time. I just can't. I can't. I walk closely with God when I do what he says right here. So he said, don't be unwise, but understand what the will of the Lord is. So here's some instructions he gives us. Be not drunk with wine where it is excess, but be filled with the... Well, you might be like, but how do I do that? I want to be filled with the Spirit. How do I do it? Great. I'm glad you asked that. Look, he gives us the instructions in the next verse. Speaking to yourselves in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs, singing and making melody in your heart to Taylor Swift. (laughs) No. To the Lord. Singing and making melody in your heart to the Lord. But that's not all. That's a great start. But we can listen to worship music all day and all night and sometimes still struggle to walk in the spirit. So what's the next way to walk in the spirit? This is the hard part, but I know you can do it because we have the spirit of God. Are you ready? Giving thanks always. For all things. All things, yes. Someone tried to steal my car and broke out all the windows. Yes. Yes giving thanks always for all things to God. Thank you, God and the Father, in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ. And if you are following these instructions, you are well in your way to being filled with the Spirit. And you know, we talked about it a couple weeks ago, but what chemically changes in your brain when you're thankful? You get some happy endorphins, oxytocin, all these science words, right? But it's real chemicals that affect your body in a positive way that help you make more good decisions for the Lord. God is a genius. <laughs> he is God. He knows everything. I love it when science backs up the Bible, but if God says it, that's enough. But there's a reason that he told us these things, and we're not wise when we don't listen. So he says, don't be unwise, but instead understand what the will of the Lord is. If I were you, I would take some time to think about these things really over the next few days. Sometimes I feel like we hear Bible studies and we kind of like move on to the next thing. But sometimes we really need to meditate on the truth of God's word. Actually, we need to do that all the time. All right, so I'm gonna finish this up with verse three, four, five, and six. The law of Moses was unable to save us because of the weakness of our sinful nature. We're not gonna be righteous by the law, right? It's weak. We're sinners. That's, being better isn't gonna fix the sin problem. So God did what the law could not do. He sent his own son in a body, like the body we sinners have. And in that body, God declared an end to sin's control over us, by giving his son as a sacrifice for our sins. He did this so that Jesus, I'm sorry, so that the just requirement of the law would be fully satisfied for us who no longer follow our sinful nature, but instead follow the spirit. Those who are dominated by the sinful nature think about sinful things. And by the way, that's your choice. You choose what you're gonna think about right? And it takes time sometimes to retrain our brains, those thought patterns that run deep. So you're not going to walk in the flesh, but instead be controlled by the spirit. Think about things that please the spirit. So letting your sinful nature control your mind leads to death, but letting the spirit control your mind leads to life and peace. The end. I want you to bow your heads and close your eyes. There's a quote that I wrote here, and I'm going to read it real quickly because it is good. Let's think about this. Romans 7, there you will find the Christian man trying his very utmost to live a holy life. God's law has been revealed to him as reaching down into the very depth of the desires of the heart And the man can dare to say, I delight in the law of God after the inward man. Can a man like that fail with his heart full of delight in God's law and with his will determined to do what is right? Yes. That is what Romans 7 teaches us. There is something more needed. Not only delight in the law of God after the inward man and will what God wills, but i need divine omnipotence at work in me and that is what the apostle paul teaches in philippians 2:13 it is god which works in you both to will and to do it is the power of the holy spirit at god of god in philippians 2 you have a man who has been led on farther paul's growing A man who understands that God will give the power to accomplish, God will give the power to accomplish what his will desires. Let us receive this as the first great lesson in the spiritual life. It is impossible for me, my God, let there be an end of flesh and all its powers, an end of self, and let it be my glory to be helpless. Ladies, we have to stop trying. We have to stop pretending like we're strong enough in our flesh. Be helpless. When you thought of absolute surrender to God, were you brought to an end of yourself? When we reach the end of, this, of ourself, that is when the power of Christ can rest on us. He cannot rest in us and on us in power if we are still on the throne.